This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. I like that sting. It always cheers me up. Me and too. You start, and yes. then you start telling me about all these weird um, technical things that make me think my life is getting out of control. What's going to no, be no, today? No. Well, the biggest solar farm in the world. Ten times bigger than the current biggest farm, which is in India, hmm. uh, is going to be built uh, for Singapore. Right. Um, and they are investing $22 billion, or the equivalent in Singapore, I don't know, whatever they use, $22 billion. It's, it's a lot, quite a bit it? of money. It is quite, quite a, a bit, bit of money. money. Yes. Now, the problem is they haven't got room on Singapore or, indeed, enough sunshine. So they're building it in Australia. What? And they're this adding is intriguing. to it okay. a two-and-a-half-thousand-mile undersea cable to pipe the electricity to Singapore. Isn't that astonishing? It's quite intriguing. Yeah. It really is, isn't it? Yes. You hmm. sort of, well, they obviously trust the Australians. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure they have checked their contracts very carefully. Well, yes. Yeah, so Australia ever has an energy crisis, it seems increasingly likely. They'll just turn the tap off at their end. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. yes. No, they have got quite a bit of sun in Australia, I believe. So, so I'm told. I think that's why they were... And a lot of spare land, of course. Well, because... that's... That's very intriguing. So yeah, when's this going to be operational? They reckon it'll be operational by 2027, so uh, six years' time. Mm. Oh, that's quite intriguing. Mm. It is, isn't it? I thought you'd like that. Yes. So what now? Well, more down to earth. We're going to um, Amazon. Amazon have announced a, a slew, a raft. Notice, slew and raft are names that are only ever used by journalists, <laughs> no one else, of, of new products, <laughs> including... Um, some rather curious ones, the most curious one being an Alexa-powered robot. Uh, it is called um, Astro, mm. and they say they're going to give it a different personality to Alexa because I think it shouldn't be exactly the same. People don't Does want... Alexa have a personality? Well, yeah, to some extent, yes. I mean, she's fairly unflappable, but um, oh, yeah. Never. Remember well, we I... talked. We talked last year about the number of five percent of male interactions with Alexa are flirting, apparently. Can you believe that? Well, I find it very hard. It she, ne she never it flirts back. You even say no. thank you after she does something and she never replies. Oh, no, no. You can tell her to carry on listening to your conversations and then she will still acknowledge a thank you. Yes. I'm reluctant to do that for fear that she hears things she shouldn't. Well, she's hearing things she shouldn't anyway. <laughs> That's she's just, true. at the moment, keeping quiet about it. So, so what different personality is this robot going to have? Well, we don't know until it appears, but it's going to be sort of mobile. It'll on wheels, it'll trundle around your house, it'll do video calls, and it will cost, initially, $1,000, which is, frankly, well, $999.99. Let's so, call it $1,000. OK, so presumably it can't manage steps. So all it is is just a, a, a portable video 
call machine. It's a portable video call machine, of which there are quite a lot on the market already. So I'm not entirely sure why they're bothering with it. There, of course, have been complaints about privacy from people saying yes. this is the most ridiculous thing you could possibly do. But there we go. Um, maybe um, I think the most ridiculous yeah, thing would we be... All have a port- we all have a portable vid- video um, call machine on our phone. I mean... Indeed, we fits do. fits in the pocket. Yes. I guess I know, I know. Well, how about one that's too big to the fit in the pocket? Introducing the Echo Show 15, which Echo right. Show being a rather cute little device that lets you interact with sort of elderly relatives and the like over Skype or you know other other um, platforms. Mm-hmm. And this is a 15.6-inch diameter one, or not diameter, but diagonal, uh, which is wall-mounted. And it will also display things like your calendar and your notes and photos and whatever you want. And um, again, I'm not entirely sure why people want such a thing fixed on the wall. No, but, but then I'm not hmm. very good at prophesying what's going to work. I remember thinking the iPad was a waste of time. Well, now you I were couldn't wrong be with, there. I was. I couldn't be without mine now. Well, when I first got mine, a lot of people were saying, but what's the point? It's just a big iPod touch. Yeah. I say, yeah. yes, that's exactly what it is. Isn't it yes. fantastic? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Well, that's the difference between us. Anyway, okay. 250 quid for the Echo Show 15. They've also, a couple of weeks ago now, announced, in fact, last week, the new Kindle. The Kindle, of course, first appeared in 2007, since when it has been the de facto ebook reader. Mm. Uh, and the last uh, generation, last time they updated it, was 2018. So three years ago, well overdue for an update. In fact, you have one of my old Kindles, don't you? How are you getting I on with I, it? Well, I keep forgetting to look at it. Oh, it's so uh, much better when you look at it. Well, really. I realised that it, that it just comes to life be, when you look at it. Yes, that would be the first stage of actually trying to go. Um, I looked at it a tiny bit, and yes, it's quite easy to read. I still keep picking up books and then forgetting about it. Ah. But I will try it. I promise. Well, I read all of my books uh, on the Kindle, so I'm greatly looking forward to the eleventh generation Kindle, which has uh, a larger display, completely flat screen, so mm. no little ridge where the screen goes in, and longer battery life. USB-C connector, but the best thing, I think, is uh, the ability for it to change its colour temperature. Hmm. So rather than looking at black on white or rather very dark grey on very light grey, as they actually are, mm-hmm. um, you'll be able to look at um, almost black on sort of a beige colour or in fact, a possibly a greeny blue colour. No, that which is good. good. Is it? Yes, much more restful on the eyes, yes. Like, like reading a, a, a very ancient book whose pages have yellowed. <laughs> is that easy on the eyes? Yes, the trouble is, of course, all the S's look like F's. Yeah. Presumably, <laughs> presumably they won't be doing that. I actually, think they fixed to, that one now. Going back to the iPad, actually, they're obviously more durable than I thought. My son noticed the other day that um, my iPad is actually bent considerably on one, on one oh, side. So I didn't is. even notice. And yet huh. it still functions perfectly well. So clearly I've sat on it or stood on it or yeah. something, and it's decided to keep going. I'm, I'm Marvelous. pleased with that. I, I'm trying not to... I'm trying to resist bending it back, which I'm sure will be the kiss of death to it. But I know sometimes I'll don't don't try and bend it back. No, no, leave no. it, leave it well alone. So what? So what? Any more Amazon products? Oh well, they're just the Kindle, 130 quid or 140 for the ad-free version, which I think is certainly worth an extra 10 pounds. I'm not sure it's worth an extra 40 pounds on top of that for the wireless charging version. Since their big thing is a long battery life, if you only have to plug the thing in once every ten weeks, I think it's oh, worth right. saving forty quid on there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, let's have one of these.
have that? What's now? Well, what do you think is the main problem with landing on the moon? Well, the landing bit, trying to go no, slowly enough that it doesn't no. hurt. No, no, no. The main problem is the taking off bit. I'm on. <coughs> oh, you've been coming back. <coughs> oh, I know you warned me beforehand that you had a terrible cold. So uh, Steve is now taking a massive sip mm. of water, hoping that this is temporary and will not now uh, derail us. So uh, the main taking, problem taking is off taking again, off. you mean, after, after having landed? Taking off after having landed because the moon is covered in regolith. It's what? It's covered in regolith. Okay, I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, of course you don't know it. I didn't know it until I had to oh, look okay. it up. Rebolith is the dust and particularly the very jagged pebbles mm. that are caused by the moon constantly being struck by asteroids and stuff in mm. with no atmosphere to smooth them. Right. And when you take off, the engine blast forces the regolith into... <laughs> and here we go. Well, I'm sorry, I'm going to ask a question while you're doing that. Um, was this not a problem when um, the six lunar modules landed on the moon and took off again? I mean, presumably they weren't even aware that, that it was there before, were they? It was a problem because what they did was they left scientific instruments behind, which are mm. supposed to carry on monitoring things. But this regolith was fired into the instruments at um, speeds of 3,000 metres per second, mm. which is a, a bit of a problem. So here's the solution. I mean, you probably could have worked it out for yourself, but the solution is to... A big uh, inject... Unroll a big carpet before they land. Well, yes, actually, yes. What? Oh, I don't know, but more no, or okay. less, yes. <laughs> okay, right. Um, Aluminous ceramic particles injected into the rocket plume while it's landing fuse the dust to make their own landing pads so when they take off they've got a landing pad all ready to go isn't that clever it is but does it matter once it's taken off what they left behind well yes because the instruments they leave behind Mm. are are there to carry on monitoring and they can't carry on monitoring if they're full of holes especially if they're looking to build a base on the moon you know every time They're going to build all these sort of high, high-tech greenhouses. They can't have all the glass shattered every time one of their landers takes off. Yes. My mind wandered, though. When you talk about the instruments le- le- left behind, I started thinking about some weirdly weird space band. Um, but no, we have, yet, we have yet to have a band actually landing on the moon. Um, Although we have had Elon Musk's dummy singing Space Oddity heading yes. off into yes. in one of his Teslas. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to get a big moon fused carpet next it time somebody like, chooses well, to land there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Also uh, up in the air, mm. uh, bird strike. Bird strike, a major, major problem for, mm. for uh, airlines. And in particular, problem at Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam, because there are two runways uh, separated by 500 acres of farmland. I have indeed once flown into Amsterdam, and I noticed that after the plane landed, it was a remarkably long taxi ride to get back to the uh, the airport base. So I think that was because on the distant one, it had a lot of farmland to cross. The trouble with this farmland is once they have uh, farmed whatever they were growing there, mm-hmm. whatever's left attracts geese. And the geese fly around and they fly into the engines, which is a very, very bad thing for any plane. I mean, I'm not very good for the geese. Not too good for the geese either. No, the geese don't come out of it well, has to be said. Uh, so the solution is pigs. They're importing pigs to roam around, eating up all the sugar beet 
so that uh, then the... I'm trying to work out how we can get a gadget in here somewhere. <laughs> I suppose airplanes are quite well, a airplanes big gadget. Well, airplanes have a gadget, yes, yeah, yes, no, gadget. yes. So then the pigs will only eat all the food, be able to scare off the geese, apparently. It clearly has taken quite a long time to work this out. you think they could have worked this out very, very long time ago, wouldn't you? Yes. Yes. Very anyway, they've done it now, so we're going to try it and see if it works. OK. Well, uh, time for us, perhaps, to have a pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Simon Rose, you're listening to Gadgets and Gizmos on Share Radio. We're in conversation with Steve Kaplan. So Coffee. Now? Coffee. Now, you're not a coffee drinker. You're a tea drinker. Yeah, I will occasionally have coffee just to be oh. sensible. But yes, I prefer tea. The average Briton drinks three kilograms of coffee a year. And I think that means three kilograms of coffee before you add the water, which is an awful lot of coffee. Yes. 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 And the problem is, there are two problems. One is that they have to clear rainforests in order to grow the coffee. The other problem is that the climate change means that finding suitable areas for growing the coffee are now 50% of what they were before the climate started started going bad right, on us. Right, yeah. So the BTT Institute in Finland has been looking at lab-grown coffee, which they say tastes just the same, although it's very hard to believe. And the advantage of lab-grown coffee is it needs less water to grow. Mm. It cuts out all the transport costs of bringing it from South America or wherever. And it doesn't need any pesticides. So win-win-win, possibly. Yes, if it tastes... If it okay. tastes like coffee, if it tastes like coffee. We'll have to wait and see. But um, yes, we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's a very good idea. I think the more stuff we can grow in laboratories, you know, probably the better. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> films. I've seen films. All the stuff grown in laboratories and films doesn't turn out well. You think the soil green? Oh, soil green. Oh, no, I mustn't say that. No, no, must say it. Don't, don't it's give a it spoiler. away. It's a spoiler. <laughs> God, it's a film I haven't even heard about for years. It's sort of... When was the last time anybody watched Sonic Green? I wonder. Anyway, well, uh, was, when we were on. young, it was it was all the thing. All right, let's move. On. Let's move on to our crowdfunding. Yes, oh, time of the yes. week. Finger on the button, please. Yes. There you are. So back in 2018, a, uh, a startup called Valerian, uh, a UK startup, hmm. set out to build um, a rather unique. A vertical takeoff and landing plane. Mm. And what was unique about it was this was the first plane which would flap its wings. <laughs> I've forgotten this. You think I'd remember? Yeah, you think you remember, but it's uh, it, it, it's absolutely true. Um, not sort of giant wings flapping, but little lots of little miniature wings flapping. I think sounds even. And sillier. they reckon this was, it sounds even sillier. Well, um, they've not managed to build a flapping wing plane. But they've diverted that technology into the flapping wing room fan. 
That's what they're Hang calling on. it. You set out to build a plane and you end up with a fan. Well, the fan, part of the reason for the fan is to raise money to build the plane, okay. I think. And if you turn the fan up to you know, the top level, does it levitate? Um, it, it, I think it might. I've seen sort of footage of it really blasting away okay. and making someone look very uncomfortable sitting next to it. Bizarre. Well, the point I want to make about the flapping wing room fan is first, it's a terrible name for a product. Flapping That's... wing room fan is a dreadful name. That sounds like it's just been translated from the Chinese or something. It does. Directly. It's not. No, no. It's a, it's a chap called uh, James Rotherham, who is the 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 boss of um, of Valerian, and in fact the inventor of the flapping wing uh, room. And the thing about uh, crowdfunding platforms like Indiegogo and Kickstarter mm -hmm. is that people usually pay marketing marketing companies to not only come up with good names, mm -hmm. but to make very flashy videos. To sell their product because it's all about selling, and the more engaging your video, the more likely mugs like mm -hmm. me are to say that sounds like a good idea, even if I have no interest in the actual product. <laughs> yes, and yes. I and I say yes, I'll, I'll I'll buy one of those, as I do far too often. Um, James Rotherham has um, bypassed that. Uh, shall we have a Shall we have a listen to him and see how go. he begins? Valerian's flapping wing technology represents a whole new way of moving air. Nature has chosen the flapping wing, and fin as its principal means of locomotion through air and water, and for millions of years, evolution has refined this method of propulsion. Yet these methods have never been successfully used by people until now. The first opportunity to experience this aeronautical revolution is in the home with our new room fan. And there we go. It's not hard sell. It really it's is. It is. Well, it's but it's quite... Pleasant voice for the little. Soft it's quite cell. a pleasant voice. It's very but clearly I mean, reading from yes, a script. Yes, but the trouble with flapping wing room fans, you can't even come, come up with a sort of an acronym. Oh, I'm sure you could if you tried. They're clever people. Perfect. I buy one of those. <laughs> so in this video, which of course we can't see on radio, hmm. he is standing in front of a whiteboard holding a marker pen in his in his rather awkwardly placed oh, hands. High tech. Yes. He doesn't write anything on the marker board throughout the video. It just stays blank. Oh. Behind him on uh, one side is <laughs> uh, an inset video that shows sort of random images of graphs and people sitting in front of one of these fans and even mm. the dog sitting in front of one of these fans, uh, which he doesn't refer to at all. It's not sort of random images to keep you interested because there's nothing else to look at. In front of him on the table is the prototype of one of these fans, which he doesn't turn on during the whole video. Oh, dear. And it makes you think he may well be onto a good idea, but frankly, frankly, James Rotherham, you'd need to sell it a bit better. Uh, so, you're, super, so you're not buying one? I'm not. The super early bird is now uh, £224. Um, there are only 10 of them available, and three people so far have said they want one. So they might not have enough money to make the plane. They might not really. I think it's so important when people make, uh, when people put pitches onto you, onto Indiegogo or onto, uh, onto Kickstarter, that they really be a bit more professional about the way they do it. They are selling a product, uh, not ex expounding a uh, scientific theory. And I think people need to realize that. Mm. Okay, well, let's move on. We've got something. Let us move on. Somebody has sold well. Well, no, let's move on to, well, yes, bitcoins, which, of course, are selling like 
well, hot Bitcoins. Mm -hmm. The trouble is, as Bitcoins uh, go on, they are increasingly hard to find or to mine, as they describe it. And this was built into the, the definition of Bitcoin, that you needed uh, very, very complex um, computer problems that had to mm -hmm. be solved. Yes. And rather like finding uh, diamonds or gold, uh, the more you go on, the more difficult it is to find more of these Bitcoins. Hmm. So people use uh, computers to find the Bitcoins. The, the ordinary computers are not fast enough. So they have to buy specialist chips called ASICs, ASICs being application-specific integrated circuits. And only the latest ones are powerful enough to mine new Bitcoins. These chips cost about £1,000 each. And they have a lifespan of about one and a quarter years, after which they're not only no good for mining more Bitcoins, because it's getting that much harder to mine Bitcoins, but they're no good for anything else, because this is their sole purpose. And uh, it had been calculated that each Bitcoin transaction generates 272 grams of electronic waste, equivalent, they say, to two iPhone minis. So each Bitcoin wastes the equivalent of two iPhones uh, in the hardware needed to, to mine them, which I think is quite a sobering thought, isn't it? It's extraordinary. And the Chinese were not necessarily the, uh, the best people at uh, uh, keeping energy consumption down have just decided um, that they're going to um, ban. Well, the energy side of it, crypto we've talked about energy. before, yes. yeah, yeah. the amount of electricity it takes. But here it is actual physical hardware mm. that needs to be replaced uh, over and over again. So, you know, Bitcoin's not good news for the planet, it has to be said. Certainly not good news for the banks. Who yeah. are, I'm sure Share Radio has covered this at length, but yes. they are really running scared from Bitcoin. It's true, though, they're all coming up with their own ideas for um, uh, sovereign cryptocurrencies. Goodness knows when we'll see those or not, but they all are considering them. Of course uh, they are. And there's, I think there's one country in Latin America that's actually produced one recently. I'm sorry, I'm afraid I've forgotten which one it it, it is. Okay, so what now? Uh, let's move on to Aldi, who are trialling their first no-checkout store, where you have the app, you walk in, you pick up what you want, and you walk out again. Mm. Sounds good. Want yeah, to try it used it? to be called shoplifting in my day. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, I'd like to try it out, but I don't know where it is. And they're not telling anyone where it is, because at the moment, it's only for their employees. Oh. So I imagine there are loads of Aldi employees wandering around their Aldi shop thinking, I used to have a job in that checkout, or similar. Yes, you would think they wouldn't really want to cooperate. In well, Aldi say, Aldi say no jobs will be lost. But then we've heard that kind of statement before, haven't we? Yes, yes. Oh, well, intriguing, intriguing. Um, and uh, what now? And, well, I know it's some time since you and I had small children uh, in our cars, but yes. one of the worst things about going on long journeys with small children is listening to Postman Pat over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, yes, could I remind you that when I asked you to teach me how to improvise on the keyboard, that was yeah. the song you chose, 
which stayed in my head for a long time after I decided well, I was going to be no good at it. There are good reasons for that. The first reason being that Postman Path is obviously a song that you know quite well due to the aforementioned over and over yes, and over and yes, over again. Yes. The second reason is that Postman Pat uses not only the uh, major triad plus the dominant and subdominant, it also uses the relative minors of all of those chords. And I realize we're straying somewhere from gadgets. Yes, and that's, here. that's where I lost interest. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, that's where you should have concentrated because it's a very good way to learn. Right. Anyway, uh, so um, the University of Le Mans, who obviously specialise in cars, as you would expect mm. from a university in Le Mans, uh, have been working out a way to have personalised sound zones Ooh. so that there are headrests with speakers built into them and those speakers pipe the sounds only into the ears of the, uh, the person whose head is resting on the headrest. Although, frankly, since all kids stuff earphones in their ears, you do think, what's the point? But maybe there is a point. Well, maybe, maybe. Okay, but it's still quite clever. There may be other applications, of course. There I mean, may, working, yes. working in an office, for instance, where headphones, you know, if you wear them for a long time, they're not necessarily terribly comfortable, as most radio presenters will Yes, attest. indeed. And we've got time for one very, very quick, if you've got one, otherwise I can just say uh, Yes, indeed. Yes, let's move on to um, airless tyres. Michelin, we, we, uh, they first we talked, talked about, about them yeah. uh, 16 years ago, uh, and they called them tweels. They're now calling oh. it, dreadful name, they're now calling it uptis. Oh, good. Which God. is even worse than Tweel. And they probably have Tweel. paid somebody to come up with that. I'm idea. sure they have. And there'll be an option on General Motors cars from in two years' time, three years' time. Uh, it needs a whole new wheel, not just a new tyre. But they reckon that uh, they will never have blowouts because, uh, they're, because they're very cleverly designed and airless. Although why a company like Michelin should choose to make tyres with a longer <laughs> lifespan is anyone's guess. Mm, yes, there'll be some catch somewhere. Steve, thank you very much indeed. That's Steve Kaplan. Uh, he'll be back with more Gadgets and Gizmos at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.